Sandy D, queen of podcasts and join me as I interview inspiring and creative women who are living their passion, finding balance and making an impact around the globe. Come discover your inner Zen, find balance while growing your business, tap into your creative flow, explore holistic health and spirituality. I'll share tips and tools for living a more peaceful, inspired, and balanced life. Relax, recharge, step into your power, be inspired. Feel free to connect with me at All Things Relax Studios. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to our show. Today I'm talking with Dr. Susan Joy Simpkins, professor of industrial organizational psychology and author of Divine Reversal, a powerful and inspiring story of healing from abuse. Susan, thank you for joining us today. I'm so honored to be here, Sandy. Thank you for having me. Thanks. So let's um, dive right in and get started. Um, Could you tell our listeners more about you, your background, and why you decided to share your story? Sure. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm I'm a child of God. Um, I'm also an island girl. I was born and raised in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, I was a single mom from pregnancy to her self-sufficiency. Um, I'm a professor. I'm a researcher. I have been for uh, 26 years now. Um, I'm a wife. Um, I got married almost three years ago. In fact, my husband and I will be celebrating our third wedding, wedding anniversary uh, in a couple of weeks. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> and I'm an author. Uh, I published my memoir last summer. So that's sort of the order in which things uh, kind of unfolded um, in my life. I think uh, in terms of my background, one of the things that I think is unique somewhat about my story is that it's one of kind of extreme contrasts. Um, So uh, neither of my parents graduated from uh, high school and neither were U.S. citizens. And yet, you know, here I have a Ph.D. and I mentor Ph.D. students for a living, which is just crazy to contemplate. That's phenomenal. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and the you know the shame of exploitation in my background it, it transformed into the greatest source of pride, which is my daughter. Um, yeah, and you know I've been on this single parent journey, um, and you know it started so poorly, and yet uh, it's culminating so gloriously. I mean, my my daughter and I are involved in trying to help other single parents, you know, and we do it together. Um, and I vowed I was never going to get married because of um, the risk. I didn't want to risk, you know, being hurt again. Uh, yeah. And now I'm happily married. Uh, and I spent most of my life being ashamed, you know, of my story. I was never going to tell my story. I had no plans whatsoever to ever divulge that. Um, but increasingly, I'm convinced that my story is, in fact, the the most wonderful thing that I can give people because <laughs> it's this sense of hope and, and yeah. help. And it's, it's my vulnerability. It's my, it's my gift of saying, this is where I was and, and this is where I am now. And I want to help uh, others, you know, get to a place where they are on the other side of um, what they're experiencing right now. Um, you know, deciding to tell my story um, was, was a process. <laughs> and I, I guess, yeah, <laughs> very much so. Um, I think in the end, I decided to tell it because I felt it was like a summoning. It was like a prompting to do so um, by, by God. I felt wow. um, that it's a key part of my calling that I was so out of touch with uh, before. Um, it you know, again, I was never going to do that. I spent most of my life hiding. Uh, I was very good at it. Uh, I was, (laughs) you know, just um, so very much ashamed of of what had happened. And it seemed like publishing my book or um, even getting in front, getting up in front of other people to share my story was, was like sleazy, you know, and, and, you know, just putting myself out there to be further hurt. That's the the way that I felt it uh, felt like that. But 
since publishing the book, um, I've been surprised by how freeing an experience it's been. Uh, I, know, I don't imagine. have any skeleton, skeletons in right. the closet anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and really none of the fears that I've had have come true. I think others oh, have good. been so blessed by it. I've been surprised. Uh, and I'm grateful that I can help make a difference in other people's lives. Uh, yeah, I can just imagine how many people out there you're going to help just by, you know, virtue of sharing your story. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Divine Reversal, we learn how you, your mom, and your sister moved from St. Thomas to the Midwest. Now, I was curious, looking back, what stands out to you uh, the most as far as like initial culture shock of moving, besides the obvious change in the climate? If yeah, <laughs> well, there are a lot of shocks. I'll yeah. tell you that it was kind of the shock of a lifetime in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Um, one of the things was there was a clear temporal difference. Uh, so you know, in St. Thomas, we're on island time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're we were often growing up. I mean, we were leaving the house when we were supposed to be there. You know, at events right. like church and so forth, and you know, moving to the Midwest and the U.S. mainland. Uh, being late is a big deal, you know, yeah. you're just not not late. And it was it's even considered rude, you know, so having to learn uh, to be on time, I, 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 quite frankly, I still consider that a struggle. In some <laughs> cases, my, my kind of island blood is more relaxed yep. around time. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And then another thing is that, you know, St. Thomas is so small, it's 32 square miles. And wow, yeah. so the scale and the scope um, of moving to the mainland U.S. is was took took some acclimating too. So when I when you say it's just down the road in St. Yeah. Thomas, it's literally just down the road. Right. I mean, you're only dealing with <laughs> 32 square miles and I remember saying other people saying, well, you know, it's it's just really short distance away and I would be thinking this is miles and miles. <laughs> and so a short distance meant something completely different in, yeah. in both places and I think, you know, of course living on an island to get off the island, you're you know, flying or sailing. Those are right. your, you know, your two options. And the notion that you could really travel by car to 48 contiguous states was so foreign to me, you know, and yeah. that most people were driving different places and, uh, and for hours and for days that you could just drive <laughs> and keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember trying to get my mind around that. And just even the interstate and, and, West and East and North and South directions took on a whole different meaning. Because again, in St. Thomas, it's sort of like just up the road, you know, <laughs> turn by the tree. Right. And east, West, like you really have to know those, uh, you really have to know your directions. Um, so those are, those are some of the things that really wow. shocked me. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Gosh, you know, I don't know if I, I think I shared with you, I had lived in Japan for um, two yes. years. And I remember the reverse culture shock coming back to the U.S. And after being away for two years and I came back, I was like, everything just seems so big. Yeah, <laughs> like everything, right. the people, the places, you go into the yes. like grocery store and there's like, you know, 50 different varieties of cereal. It's like, what? Right. Just all that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it can I, be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Now, next question for you is, as a young single parent, how did you find the inner resources and strength and drive to draw, um, to guide you through your academic successes? And then for those who haven't read your book yet, um, Susan is first generation uh, college graduate and you earned your, your bachelor's, master's and PhD degrees and you're a tenured professor now. So that's like a, a big deal. So I want to know, like, how did you find that strength to, to go through all that? Because that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, well, thank you. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think the short answer, honestly, is... It's the grace of God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in my life right now, my husband and I were privileged to have a 22 month old grand, uh, granddaughter. Aww. And it's kind of put me back in touch with the energy that's needed to take care of a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> You're oh, running yeah. after them, constantly having to watch them because they're getting into everything. Yeah. And I look back at starting graduate school when my daughter was six months old, and I, I'm amazed by it. You know, yeah. again, 
all these years looking back. And again, I, I attribute it to this grace of God, which is like the enablement, the power to do what with with strength that I didn't have in the natural that was given to me. So, you know, I there was this sense that as I was caring and caring for my daughter, um, someone was caring and caring for me, you know, and mm-hmm. helping me um, with with uh, strength that, that I didn't feel like I had, you know, every day was a challenge. I remember waking up in the morning and just thinking, I, I just have to get through the day. I, I couldn't yeah. think much beyond that. Every day was just exhausting, overwhelming, and the victory was just making it through the day. I can um, imagine. Strength, oh my gosh. strength to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just one step, putting one step in front of the other. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I learned from my mom, who had gone through immense uh, difficulty in raising us. Um, and I remember watching her, you know, put one step in front of the other and keep going. You know, as a single parent, I didn't wake up in the morning wondering, you know, is my life important? Because if right. I'm not there, you know, who's going to take care of my daughter? That was my constant worry. Um, in fact, my daughter would even ask, you know, if something yeah. happens to you, who's going to take care of me? And it was just, wow. just, <laughs> it was just so tear jerking to think that she was worried about that, you know, and it was um, very hard. Yeah. I wanted to, she had that, yeah, aw- that she even had that awareness exactly. at a young age to be yeah. thinking, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. So while I wanted to curl up in a fetal position so many days. Uh, it's just, you know, putting that one foot in front of the other, as I watched my mom do, that was very helpful just to keep, you know, things moving uh, yeah. and not, not give up. Um, I love this quote by Francis of Assisi. Um, he said, start by doing what's necessary and then do what's possible and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Oh, I and love that. That's what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Now, Susan, during your time as a college student, um, in the book I read that you met pastors Dave and Kay, who invited you to join. They had an emotional healing support group. And you mentioned yes. in Divine Reversal, and I'm going to quote, in the emotional healing class, I'd identified that to survive in my dysfunctional family, I had assumed the destructive role of hero. So could you please speak to how the support group helped you on your healing journey and what it was like to finally surrender the hero role? Yeah, those are those are great questions. And thanks for highlighting, you know, this very important milestone in my journey. Um, you know, when I joined that emotional healing class, I had no idea I was completely oblivious to really what it would involve and whether I would even need it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if I had had any clue, you know, I would have run for the hills because <laughs> I under the their guidance, you know, it was the first time that I learned the characteristics of dysfunctional families, adult children of alcoholics, and it just read me out like a book. You know, wow. I couldn't believe how accurate, you know, uh, this workbook that, you know, they don't know me. And yet it was uh-huh. like they had been in my past um, because of, you know, all the different symptoms. And I can no longer deny that, you know, my childhood experiences had ex- had impacted me deeply and that I was currently, you know, experiencing so many of the battles with shame and fear and low self-esteem and perfectionism and procrastination and the list went on and on. (laughs) And uh, one of the important parts about that, um, that journey was telling others, trusted others, you know, in a very safe group, yeah. Um, about my past. I had never, I'd really not done that before. Wow. And um, in in the natural, like in the physical, if you have a wound and it's always covered, it will never heal. Right. For that exactly. wound, it has to be exposed to the air, you know, yeah. in order to heal. And but, the, really the same thing happens um, with inner wounds. Yeah, because otherwise it just sort of sits there beneath the surface and festers and yeah, you never, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's the same thing in, um, in kind of the inner wounds. It's like, you've got to expose it to air, you know, it's got to, it's got to have some, some light that comes into it, um, or it won't heal. And so it was in telling 
others, again, trusted others. It's really important yeah. that you not just tell this stuff, this very sensitive, emotional stuff to anyone. But in that, um, it's like light started to get in very dark places. And the kind of self-sabotage is that, you know, if people really knew what you have been through and what had happened, they wouldn't love you and they wouldn't accept you and you'd be rejected. And, and I had felt that, you know, mm -hmm. like an imposter all the yeah. time. And being able to tell that even in front of um, pastors Dave and Kay and then others in the group and have them affirm me and say, it wasn't your fault right? and we're here for you and we want to help you. I mean, that was so healing um, in and of itself. Yeah, I can imagine even just being told like, this didn't happen because of something you did. Like, yeah. it is not your fault because that just, right. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I definitely felt the, the guilt. I felt it was my fault and that I should have been the one blamed and blaming the victim, which is myself. Uh, certainly I did that to myself. Um, and that hero role was was something that was so eye opening because I, I hadn't realized that I I had assumed the role of the hero in my family, that it was my job to make up for my dad's despicable actions, that he was an alcoholic and he was a criminal and he was an ex-con and um, he was an untreated schizophrenic and all of these negative things and, yeah. and all the things that he made our lives a living hell and that somehow it was my responsibility to carry that shame for his despicable actions. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was, I, I had no idea that I was driving myself crazy trying to be the best student I can just to try to make up for, for his actions. And um, when I read that and in the book, in the workbooks, you know, that we were yeah. going through it, it just invited me to just give up that role. And I realized I was so exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I was so tired of carrying this immense load. And I realized that I I couldn't be my dad's hero. I mean, I wanted to, and I was trying hard, but I was so ineffective. I mean, nobody could carry that role. It yeah. wasn't humanly possible. It's a, too and much of a burden. There's no way you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when I... I recognized that and I was able to give that burden to God who mm -hmm. could carry it because I couldn't. And um, I stopped trying to rescue my dad and I, I needed to be rescued too. Right. <laughs> and I allow God to rescue me. And it felt like, uh, you know, 250 pounds lifted, you know, from my shoulders. Wow. I, mean, I, the weight of that, lifted and I felt lighter than I had, you know, in years and yeah. decades. Um, how long major. did, a quick question, how long did, yeah. if you remember thinking back, how long did it take for you to feel like you could trust the people in the group? Like, was it something that just like was immediate or did it take you a lot? Of I'm just curious. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah. a great question. Uh, no, it wasn't immediate for mm -hmm. sure. And, and quite frankly, I wasn't going to tell a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. I really was listening. It was through other people telling their stories and, and, you know, again, really gnarly, um, the worst of life's blows, you know, yeah. and, and rape and incest and, and, you know, really gnarly things, betrayal and abandonment. And as others were vulnerable enough to share their story, I started to believe that I should as well, because yeah. they had experienced such affirmation and I was affirming them because yeah. again, what vulnerability does is it, instead of, you know, feeling like you want to attack the person, you want to hug them. Right. You, know, you, you that courage. Uh, and so that they gave me the courage to be able to do yeah. that. And they, they trusted you to, and shared their story with you first. So yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that's just am amazing. I, <laughs> I, 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 I love, I love hearing this stuff. I do. I really do. It's just reminding me I've, I've gone through, I won't go into big details, but I've gone through some tough times too, where mm. it's like, go in and talk to like a you know, group of people I didn't know. And it was like, how much do I tell them about the things that are going on? And, and when you hear their stories and you're like, Oh, okay, well, you know, my stuff isn't that, you know, off the wall, so yes. to speak. And I was like, I can share. And then to have them validate, like, no, you're right. This shouldn't be like, you know, this, these things shouldn't be happening to you. You know, you're right to move on. Yeah. And it's, 
it's pretty powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's life-changing yeah. uh, to do that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk about your spiritual breakthrough. Right. Okay. Introverts, are you ready to step into your power? Do you often feel like you're living your life on the sidelines, watching other entrepreneurs succeed? Do you want to sound more confident when you're building your brand? Hi, I'm Sandy D, Queen of Podcasts and as an introvert, I get it. Speaking with confidence and clarity has always been a struggle until I unlock the code and discover tools and techniques to channel my inner rock star. Join my free masterclass. Introverts, step into your power. I'll show you how to leverage your strengths as an introvert while manifesting your dream clients. Learn how to grow your soul-driven business. Sign up today at allthingsrelaxstudios.com. So Susan, in your book, you shared how you experienced a deep spiritual breakthrough and rapid transformation that took place this semester where you were allowed to take a break from teaching and focus on your research. Could you uh, please share a little bit more about your spiritual transformation? Sure. Um, So I I grew up in the church, um, and but it was mostly, I'd say it was mostly motivated by fear. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was trying to follow a set of rules of what I thought a good Christian should do, um, like read the Bible and pray, but it was kind of like to check things off. Like I've checked that box, so I'm, I should be good. Right. <laughs> um, and if anybody had really asked me whether I was confident that God was real, I would not have been able to say that I, I was, uh, I, I entertained a lot of deep doubts about um, the existence of God. And I also was really angry at God, yeah. but I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have admitted that at that point um, because in church circles, you don't go around saying that it's just right. not socially acceptable <laughs> to do. Um, and also because I, I was afraid, you know, of God, it's certainly not something that I would, I would admit to um, yeah. because, you know, again, that's not <laughs> something that would put me in good standing you right. know, with, with God. Uh, and, during this time, and you know, there's so many things about it that I can't really explain um, or or even articulate very yeah. well. Uh, so it's it's a very hard thing to try to put into words. Yeah. Um, even it's been now 23 years wow. um, since I experienced that that particular time, and uh, I still can't talk about it really without. Um, getting emotional because it was absolutely game changing. Uh, It's like I had known about God um, from other people and learned, you know, other people who seemed to know God would, would tell me, or I would read about others who seemed to know God. So I was just reading about God, but I didn't know him myself. And now during this time, it, it was like I saw him for uh, the first time with the eyes of my heart. And again, not anything visible with my right. actual eyes. Um, and I, I started to hear him um, again, not with an audible voice or anything, right. but with, I, I, with the ears of my heart. And um, it, it's like he wasn't anything that I thought he was. Wow. <laughs> You know, he was completely different than what I had thought and what I had learned in the church. Like I always thought that maybe he was, he was kind of stuffy and Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) just sort of rules and regulations. And I kind of live like waiting for the other shoe to fall. You know, like just waiting for to make a mistake at the the earliest mistake. I I would be punished. Um, I I'd gone around really wondering whether my life was cursed um, because I felt so um, I felt like my life was the tail end of everything. (laughs) It looked like it and it felt like it. And I looked around at other people's lives and they seemed to have things so much better than me. And I felt like I, I wasn't favored by God that somehow, you know, I was being punished for, for things that I couldn't quite um, understand. Uh, 
And I, I felt his love. I felt his affirmation of me, his encouragement of me. And Mm -hmm. and it changed, it changed everything. Um, His, his authenticity, his, his vulnerability of um, being, a counselor, being a shepherd, um, being a father, that the father I never oh, had. Have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, growing up. And and I knew um, that he was real. I mean, again, before I didn't, I couldn't right. say that. And now I, I knew it'd be beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I think all these years later, um, what I would explain it as is that he he gave me my heart back and um, my heart was decimated. I mean, I, I was broken. It was completely broken uh, by what my father had done by what others who should have um, been in a position to help me, but they, they threw me under the bus, you know, and abused me and, and exploited me, my innocence, my naivete, my childhood, everything gone. And I'd had major trust issues. And and I really didn't trust God because I didn't believe um, that he was even real, you know, yeah. or that he even cared. Uh, and so it was like my heart was flatlined um, completely. Wow. And, and it's like after this time, um, my heart started to beat again. Aww. And uh, that was just, um, it was amazing. I I had written some poetry when I was a child. I wanted to be a writer, um, but I just completely had given that up. Um, and during this, you know, all these years of, of being exploited and abused, it was like that um, music had gone. Those words, you know, had dried up and yeah. I didn't, I didn't write anything. I, I wasn't in that frame of mind at all. And after this time, I started writing poetry, um, like with a frequency that I couldn't believe, wow. you know, the words were just started flowing just out of me and pouring. And it was just such a sign, like an outward sign that something um, amazing had happened in my heart that, um, I, again, it's hard to ex- explain wow. <laughs> exactly how that, how that happened. So I have a question. Do you think it was the fact that you were finally allowed to kind of slow down and have a, compared to, you know, the constant go, 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 go. And not that you weren't doing anything because you had to focus on research, but the fact that you were able to slow down and sit with some stillness that you were able to receive that. I, I do feel like that was really instrumental because, again, the pace that I was operating under yeah. did not allow for any kind of stillness at all. And in fact, I didn't, I, I wasn't trained with that at all. I mean, my whole life, you just go, go, go again. Like what I learned from my mom is just put one foot in front of the other and don't ever stop yeah. because, you know, that's sort of a dangerous thing. Right. You don't know what's <laughs> going to happen if you stop where you haven't be able to keep going or get yeah. up again. Uh, but um, I was amazed by how um, productive stillness was. And right. it is like things that that I had believed or had heard in my head, but didn't ever make it to my heart. They started to drill down into my heart. Wow. Um, and I think that's, that's the beauty of stillness yeah. is that it allows things um, to happen in your heart that, that wouldn't happen otherwise. Oh, this is such a beautiful story. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's what God does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next question. What would you say to those listeners who are currently struggling? Wow. What a, what a great question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'd first, I just first want to say, you know, how sorry I am, you know, yeah. for what has happened um, to you. If I am speaking directly to you, your wounds, your pain, um, you know, when I think about my healing journey, I recognize one of those lessons I learned was that whatever we deny, it can't be healed. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to acknowledge the pain. And I just want to acknowledge your pain right now, um, even though I don't know the details. You know, yeah. I want to say that your pain, it matters. You know, it matters deeply. And it's never to be trivialized or, or dismissed or ignored in, in any way. 
Um, and sometimes I feel like we who have experienced that pain, we are the first to do that to ourselves. You know, right. we just kind of pretend, uh, try to sanitize it or pretend it doesn't exist. Um, and it does. And and nothing that we do to deny it is ever going to take away the reality that it happened. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because I've been vulnerable in telling my story, readers often, you know, reciprocate that vulnerability. And, and it's so important when they do, you know, to listen, you know, and to look into their eyes and to grieve, you know, and weep, even yeah. weep with them over the pain that that runs so deep. And so that's, that's the first thing that I want to um, say to those that are struggling and with whatever, you know, whether it be right. fear or depression or trauma or abuse or victimization or, you know, whatever it might be. Um and I just want to encourage you, you know, as as you might get the voice to tell about your pain, I, I just affirm that courage to do so because mm-hmm. it takes it takes a lot of courage to yeah, do so. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that that really attracted me to Jesus was that he described was described as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and and it's like that with that description it's like okay maybe he could really understand you know what's what i've been through and what you've been through you know um as, as you're listening you know he was pierced he was reviled he was rejected he was abandoned he was betrayed um and he he has suffered like like many of us you know have suffered and his heart is for those that you know have gone through um such sorrow and grief and he cares you know and he listens and he's there um and one of the things that i've i can appreciate now is that he knows how to take the broken pieces of our hearts and put them back, put together, them back together yeah without causing further damage and you know you take brokenness it's it's very difficult not to cause more damage because the pieces are already fragile and broken um and he knows how to do that um and he said in fact his mission was to heal the brokenhearted that's why he came (laughs) which is just amazing um that he said his mission was to you know make whole those central innermost parts of us that have been broken, shattered, and crushed. Um, those are the lang- that's the language that he used. And that's language that I can refer to yeah. that I can you know just you resonate with. To, yeah. Because that that was me. Um, wow. And you know, for those of us that have experienced a lot of pain and emo- trauma and abuse, you know, the horror of what has happened to us, it, it just haunts us, you know, day in, day out. And there's this temptation to believe that, you know, we're always going to be limited by our dysfunctional past. We're always going to be somewhat defined by it. And what I want to say to those that are, are struggling, those that are in the midst of, you know, um, deep, deep pain right now is that pain doesn't have to have the last word, the final say in our lives, um, that God, he's able to take evil and make it good. Um, he's able to take ashes and make them into something beautiful. And I'm a living witness of it. I mean, I'm not telling you something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying something that I've just heard somewhere or read somewhere. It's, it's what I've experienced. It's what, um, he's done. And one of my favorite verses is, um, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Uh (laughs) And I want to offer that because again, it feels like it's going to last forever. It feels like it's always going to be there. Like you're never going to get out, but joy does come Mm -hmm. in the morning, not when we want it to, you know, (laughs) but boy, if we stay in the process, there is joy on the other side. I love this message of hope. (laughs) It's so uplifting. I, your story is, yeah. Anyone listening, you have to read the book. <laughs> You'll understand. <laughs> this is such an uplifting story. Oh my goodness. That's my my role. That's well, what I want to give. Yeah. Now I would be remiss if I didn't share with our listeners. Um, one of my and there are many favorite moments, but one of my favorite moments in the book, though, it's um where you say you're asked to teach a children's class at church, and your daughter, Amber, who is five years old at the time. Um, sensed your anxiety 
And not only did she tell you to relax, but like she offered you tips on what to teach the children. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> Could you please speak to how moments like this with your daughter carried you through some of the most challenging times in your life? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing one of your uh, favorite moments in the book. I'm always excited to find that out from readers because I'm very curious and uh, it's helpful to know that. Uh, Yeah. So my daughter, you know, again, I thought getting pregnant was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. It was unplanned pregnancy. It was a very difficult, abusive situation that she was born out of. Um, And she's ended up being the primary source of joy in my life, you know, when she was growing up. Um, She was the comic relief. She was what helped my life from being totally immersed in, you know, academics and, and getting too serious and bogged down. I'm, I'm a melancholic by, Mm -hmm. uh, by personality type. And she was, um, you know, fun loving and love to play games and love to laugh. And uh, it helped me so (laughs) very immensely. You know, I remember when she was little, she loved to play games and I had a hard time playing games. I didn't grow up like that, you know, and she would, um, I'd be getting ready for getting her ready for bed and trying to, you know, rush the process and, and she'd be in bed and saying, mom, can we play a quick game of Monopoly. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing quick Monopoly. about Monopoly. But That's cute. <laughs> just cute, cute things like that. Aww. And that, you know, continued not just when she was little, but um, to this day. I mean, she's, she's, it's like out of the mouths of babes, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. that she speaks such truth. And actually in this process of publishing the book, you know, I got cold feet. I mean, yeah. I... Few few weeks before we were ready to release the book, um, I was like in a fetal position in bed, you know, just crying my eyes out, saying, "I don't think I could do this," wow. you know. And we had so much to do. She was helping me with um, all the things that we had to do to get it out, yeah. you know, and all the last minute kinds of things. And I checked out at different places because I was just so immersed. In, I mean, I was so fearful, right. just like. What? am I going to do? I'm just letting all these, you know, secrets out and, and, and what am I doing? And I don't think I want to do this. And, and I remember calling her up and saying, you know, I I haven't done what I'm supposed to do because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid and I'm checking out and she goes, I know mom, I understand, but I just want you to know that, I've been working while you're not, and I'm oh. keeping the trains running, and we're going to do this, and oh. you can do this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to have her be that source of inspiration. Oh, she's amazing. And, and perseverance. Yeah, absolutely. There was another favorite part, too, in the book where you talked about, um, I think you were talking about, like, in church where you one time, like, went up to, like, towards the front for, I guess, for prayer or something. But she was, um, and you sat down and she was still a couple rows back or something when she was little and how she, all of a sudden you hear her like walking up with your pocketbook or something and you're kind of like mortified or something. And then the pastor like says she's a jewel and it like hits you like, yes, (laughs) I love that part when you talk about that. And it's like, and you realize, oh yeah, I hadn't really thought about that when I named her Amber, that Amber is a jewel. (laughs) Right. And she has been absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Another memory that you remember. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's such a wonderful story. I mean, you know, you make such dark things uplifting. I mean, really, that's an accomplishment. You know, sharing that story of hope. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's God. He can t- take darkness and make it light. Uh, he can take death and even make it life. And I'm just so amazed by that. I yeah. continue to be so. Wow. We're going to take uh, one more short break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about what you do to relax and rejuvenate. <laughs> Take a journey from darkness to light. Read about one woman's spiritual transformation through divine reversal. Learn how she goes from shame and despair to dignity and hope. From being silenced to finding her voice. Get your copy of Susan's book today at divinereversal.com.
So Susan, what do you do to relax and rejuvenate? Uh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think one of the first things is, um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but being still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sitting in silence, you know, turning everything off and all the notifications and yeah. <laughs> the Facebook and the, you know, texts and, and just to get the phone off of my radar and all the distractions and and be able to quiet myself internally um, and be still inside, mm-hmm. which sometimes takes some doing because, yeah. you know, pace that we're running in and all these distractions um, and, and try to listen um, and, and, you know, get in touch with what's happening on the inside. I think that's really important. Um, it's not just relaxing physically, but it's like restorative in, mm-hmm. in my soul uh, to, to, to do that. Um, you know, being outside and walking in the mornings, especially, uh, is very important to me, you know, to try to, you know, get out, um, every morning if I can, I don't always accomplish that, (laughs) but as much as I possibly can, that's the goal. Uh, it's important physically, you know, to be walking, um, but also, more important than that, quite frankly, for me is emotional, um, you know, to be exposed to natural light and and nature, you know, trees and the sunlight. uh, um, And and spiritually, it's my time to kind of meditate, to reflect, to pray, to just kind of let thoughts come (laughs) um, without having, you know, to have a lot of uh, um, structure, you know, Mm -hmm. in that. It's kind of that unstructured time to let that flow. Uh, so that's really important. Um, I love sitting in sunlight. Oh, I, I love, love the sun too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're an island girl, and so of course. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. So that's, I love that. Just sitting, oh. in fact, just yesterday, sitting on the stoop uh, out front and just letting this, the sunlight, you know, rest on my face and just thinking, the weather is so fantastic yeah. right now. <laughs> Uh, so I love that. Yeah. Um, a couple other things. I, I, I keep a, a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, really important. I have. I'm so amazed at the power of gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> the power of Thanksgiving. Uh, even sometimes as I am working, I realize you know, I'm kind of complaining in my heart, you know, about this task or yeah. it's drudgery or, you know, it's so easy for me to get into a negative mindset because I kind of tend that way uh-huh. in, in general. Uh, I'm more the glass half empty kind of person yeah. than the glass half full. <laughs> I can relate. And this, yeah, this does not come natural, uh-huh. but um, learning how to be more grateful uh, has has been uh, really transformative because it changes the whole atmosphere around me when I'm grateful and find something to be thankful for. Um, And then actually, you know, we have Thanksgiving coming up not too, uh, in the not too distant future. And I take that gratitude journal and and on Thanksgiving day, I'll read through it um, for the past year and, and just getting to see things that I would have forgotten, you know, yeah. that I wrote down at different days. Uh, some some of them are small things, but others are big things. But altogether, they just are this just walloping uh, sense of, I am so blessed. Wow. <laughs> and there's so much um, that I have, I have to be grateful for. I like for. that tradition. That's a good Thanksgiving t- tradition to have. You know, I got to share with you, my biggest yeah. um, Thanksgiving blessing, I would say, is um, my younger son was actually born on Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving wow. rotates every year, but he was actually born on Thanksgiving Day. So he's my turkey baby. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I, I love really that. Cool. Yeah, gratitude reading. I am going to start doing that. I like that. On Thanksgiving Day, you go back and read through the previous years. Yeah, I love that. You know, it actually started when my daughter was really young, before she could even write, I had this, uh, I heard this idea of doing a blessing box, like Uh we just you take a box and you wrap it up, and then you put a small slit in it. And then, you know, throughout the year and throughout the weeks, you put entries in. And so I started writing them down for her, like Amber, you know, what are you grateful for? And she's like, 
you know, I like dogs, oh, you know, that's cute. <laughs> that's right. you know whatever yeah. she would want or ponies say, or whatever like, little girls like yeah, at exactly. the time, right? <laughs> and then she started writing them herself in her handwriting. Oh, and I've got some of these entries them? still. I saved them oh, I you know, throughout the years, like by, by year. And then on Thanksgiving Day, yeah. we would open the box up and collect all the different entries and read them off together. Oh. Uh, so it started there. Wow. And then uh, now yeah. I have a journal because, uh, you know, she She's grown up and everything. So you're avant-garde because this is like people are just discovering this and they have like gratitude jars. So you guys were avant-garde here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then just one more thing I'd yeah. say is um, I, I like this idea of a Sabbath day of rest mm-hmm. um, and try to incorporate that like on, on the weekends, like particularly on Sundays yeah. to try to disengage uh, and try to, you know, take a nap. I took a nap yesterday. I never feel like I can afford to do that. I can never, I never feel like, you know, oh yes, I have the time to do this. It always feels like, you know, I need to work. I need to keep up. I'm behind. And, um, but doing so, taking the time off to just disengage from, you know, the emails and the constant um, work. I don't have a nine to five job by any means. It could right. go on forever. Right. And I could be working, working, working and still never feel caught yeah, up. The work is always going to be there though. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's but good. taking some time off. Uh, it's, it's very, it rejuvenates me for sure. Yeah. No, it's important to rest. Now, last but not least, I want to ask you who or what, um, inspires you or it could be who and what, um, inspires you. Yeah, thanks. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, I come from a a long line of um, very strong women in our family. And that's one of the things I have to be grateful for. Uh, My great, 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 great grandmother was actually born into slavery in the islands. Uh, And, you know, my grandmother had 11 children and, you know, really raised them in poverty and it was very hard life um what she did to to raise all those children and and um without a lot of resources um or help um and my mom you know again went through very difficult circumstances i mean she didn't even grow up with parents neither father nor mother she was raised by an aunt and and she gave us what she didn't have, you know, and I, I look back and I, I'm amazed by her strength and her resilience. And so when I think about my lineage in terms of the strong women of my family, you know, and I think about like being, you know, born into slavery, I mean, it's like, what do I have to complain about? I mean, it's just (laughs) one of those things where it's like, come on, you know, I've got this in my blood of, you know, I can, keep, keep going, you know, and, and what they did, um, by keeping on going was, you know, was an example to me in a subsequent generation. And so what I do will, will be an example to my daughter and and her children, you know, going forward. And, and so it's so important to do that. Um, another person that has really inspired me is Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. Um, she was born into slavery, uh, and she um, got free, which is just right. amazing what she had to do, you know, in the deep south to escape into Canada. Uh, and and then she went back and got help people, yeah. <laughs> help others, yeah, um, 13 times uh, going back into the deep south at great personal risk um, to herself uh, and, and those that she loved uh, and got like 70 other people out of slavery. And that's such a powerful example to me because it's like, you not only have to get yourself free yeah. if you're going to be a, be a blessing to others, but you have to make the choice um, to go back and get others. So she could have stayed in right, Canada exactly. and nobody would ever have faulted her or said, you know, why aren't you doing more? I mean, coming out of slavery and, and getting free herself was amazing just in and of itself. But she did that extra step to go back and, and help others. And that's such an inspiring story to me because I have a responsibility not just to 
you know, rest in the freedom that I've experienced um, from abuse and exploitation. But I want to be like her that goes back yeah, and and, into difficult places of abuse and exploitation and hearing other people's painful stories um, to help others, you know, get get free. Wow. Strong yeah. women. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just thinking when you're talking earlier about yeah. your mom, like just the strength that it must have taken her to leave St. Thomas to to bring yeah. you and your sister to a better life. Wow. Right. Yeah. And she did that like in her, I think she was 43 wow. when she left and she had never lived outside of the islands. Oh my I gosh. Mean, so she didn't know anything else. And so coming, you know, I talked about the culture shock yeah. for me and I was 14 and more adaptable. And for her, Can you imagine? You know, that was really, yeah. really hard. And leaving all your sort of social support network, like all your family behind. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Wow. Well, Susan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with me today. Um, can you let us, the, our listeners know, what's the best place um, to connect with you? Yeah, well, I have uh, a website. It's divinereversal.com. And uh, my email address is info at divinereversal.com. And so I'd love to hear uh, from listeners and um, see how, how I can be assist of assistance and, and a source of hope and help um, for those that are struggling uh, and need to know that pain doesn't have to have the last word in your life. I love this so much. Susan, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate your time. Um, you are giving back so much to to everybody. I, I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for our listeners, um, I'm going to mm -hmm. include a link in our show notes so you can find Susan's inspiring book, Divine Reversal. And um, I also wanted to give a shout out to the person who connected us to our mutual friend, Megan. Um Megan is such a wonderful, thoughtful friend. So Megan, thank you, because she's the one who told me about your book and loaned me her copy of it, which I will be returning. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> she connected us, and I just want to say thank you, Megan. <laughs> yes, thank you, Megan, and thank you, Sandy, sure. for having me on your podcast. Oh, it was an honor to I have really you on our show. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening. We appreciate your support. Ciao. You've been listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Relax, recharge, be inspired, and step into your power. Sandy D, the queen of podcast zen, would love to hear from you. You can connect with her on Instagram or Facebook at All Things Relax Studios. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. <laughs>